you would take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 4, as we continue in our study and making our way through Acts. You know, the story we're about to look at really is a short, to-the-point story uh, of boldness without fear. Honestly, I think it's the kind of boldness that many of us probably, if we're honest with ourselves, have not experienced. Um, It's the kind of boldness that one can only experience if they're filled with the Holy Spirit and allowing God to work through them. Uh, It's it's the kind of boldness I want. Uh, It's the kind of boldness that I want to look back and say, that was a God moment. That was God doing this thing. It was God who made this circumstance come to pass. Let's look at the story, but before we get too far into the story, uh, I want us to remember what Jesus warned the church of, and it was basically this simple principle. Persecution will come. You know, we've talked a lot about that in the last couple years. Everybody thinks they have a form of persecution because somebody didn't like what they said about Christianity, or I have rights as a Christian, as a believer, I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus, and they're making us do that. And can I honestly just say, it's really not, that's not persecution. The kind of persecution that we're talking about here in Acts 4 is not that kind of persecution. This persecution came as a result of being filled with the Spirit, allowing God to work in and through them, and as a result of it, they had a holy boldness that nothing was going to stop. It's the kind of boldness I would love to have. And honestly, most of us, we kind of have this idea that, oh, we're strong Christians. We stand up. We do what's right. And we don't care what anyone thinks. But I don't think, honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, we've experienced this kind of boldness. Let's be honest. Most of us don't open our mouth in public because we're too afraid that somebody ain't going to like what we say. Uh, Concerning the church, concerning the gospel, concerning salvation, concerning our walk with Jesus. I mean, we don't want to say Jesus' name too loud. Somebody might hear us. Let's be honest. I want this kind of boldness. I want this kind of boldness to be what characterizes my life, and I fall way short. And I just say, God, do something in and through me to give me this kind of boldness. I want that. I hope you want that. I I think we should all want that as God's children. But it only comes as a result of allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. In fact, John chapter 15, leave your fingers there in Acts and just leave it there for a minute. Let me just give you a couple of verses. In John chapter 15, verses 18 and 20 says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. What's he saying here? Persecution will come. If you stand up for what's right, if you live godly in Jesus Christ, persecution is a vital possibility in our lives. And I think if God tarries long enough, we're going to see more of it because we are going to have to take a stand for what we know is truth, right? I I don't think that's going to come any less in the days ahead. In fact, in John chapter 16, verse 2, just a chapter later, he says, they will put you out of the synagogue. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he is offering God's service. I mean, the the whole reality is that they think, well, hey, we're doing God a service by doing this. They're not doing God a service, but persecution is going to come. 
Paul also warned Timothy of the probable persecution that would come. In 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And I've asked the question, I've asked it many times, I ask it, I'm not pointing the finger, because if I point the finger, I've got at least three coming back at me. The reality is, I've asked myself many times, I wonder if we don't face any type of persecution, because we're not really taking a stand. We mentioned this last week. We get so irate and irritated that prayer got kicked out of our public schools. Well, it got kicked out of churches across America. Why would we be shocked that, you know, the world is the way it is? We've kicked prayer out of the school, but we kicked it out of the church too. Every church in America, 90% of them, what's the first service that they quit going to for a meeting? And honestly, we said we voted with our feet what services they want to go to. It's all across the country. And then... Here in Rochester, there's not even a, hardly a church that has a Sunday night service anywhere across America. Sunday nights have went. And it's amazing how the trickle-down effect permeates every aspect of our life and culture. Why would we? We're not standing up for truth. We don't stand up for righteousness as we ought. Why would we be shocked? First Peter 2.21 says, For to you this you were called... Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in His steps. He exemplified what it was going to look like to live righteously for His Heavenly Father, to experience persecution. He said, this is the example I'm leaving for you. But don't be shocked if they persecute me, because, or you, because they persecuted me first. I think it's time that we get back to having a holy boldness, as we're going to talk about here in uh, Acts chapter 4. So if you would, follow along. And, and honestly, I know, I know Nick prayed, but I want to pray just for a moment again and ask the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts as we go before Him. Lord God, as we come before You, we pray, God, that You would work in our hearts. God, we pray that You would speak to us and that we would listen and obey what Your Holy Spirit tells us. Lord, I know that we look back at even what we've done thus far today and it's a wonderful opportunity to see several take the step of baptism and obedience to you. It's wonderful to be able to worship and sing some songs, but Lord, we also worship through the Word. And Lord, we know that part of our worship includes our obedience. And I pray, God, that you would, Lord, not just challenge us. Lord, it's easy to walk into church every week and be challenged by something that was said in the message. But Lord, it's another dimension to take that step and change with your help. And so, God, I ask that you would, Lord, not just challenge us, but change us. And, Lord, might we be honest with ourselves in our walk with you, Lord, of where we're at. Lord, it's easy to to look at other people and, Lord, we're further along than they are or we're not involved in the things that they are or we do things that they don't do. And, Lord, to have uh, almost a sense of pride that we're, though we'd never say it, we're better than them. Lord, God, I pray that you'd convict us of our pride and bring conviction wherever conviction is needed and lord to bring encouragement where encouragement is needed and lord we just pray that your holy spirit would work in and through us lord to accomplish what we cannot do in and of ourselves and we'll praise you for that for it's in jesus name we do pray amen if you would just follow along as i read verses 1 through 12 in acts chapter 4 it says, now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus that resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. 
However, when many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, and by, whom, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's an amazing thing to consider. Uh, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees approached Peter, and they were disturbed. And I think if we understand the word disturbed, they were agitated, they were angry, they were upset for one reason. Uh, they were upset because Peter was preaching regarding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So well, why would they be upset? And I, and I was thinking about this, you know, it, this is not a... To me, this is just like a total an oxymoron. It, it, it's like in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 23, it says the same day the Sadducees... The Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him. They did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, in Acts chapter 23, verse 8, it says, For Sadducees say there is no resurrection and no angel or spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. I mean, here you, when you think of this group of people that came and approached Peter and John, and this whole group of people, you know, you got people, the priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees, you know, all these people, and then you look later in the passage, and it tells you specifically who was there, Annas and John and Caiaphas. All these men were what we would consider in our day and age religious, right? These were people, the scribes, they were the, considered the professional law keepers who would write, and they would keep, and they were usually of wealthy families historically. So it was, it was a group of people that you would not think would be ignorant. They weren't people that you would think would be irreligious. They're not people that you would think that would be opposed to religious or even spiritual things being taught. But yet here they are confronting because it was in their own pride and their own arrogance that, that they believe Peter and John were wrong. And so collectively, they began to challenge Peter concerning that what he was teaching. And in their anger, they threw Peter and John in custody, or, or we could say it this way, they threw them in jail. Can you imagine that? They're up, I mean, just publicly proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they're confronted by a bunch of religious people, and they get thrown in jail. Sign me up, right? I mean, that's what I want to look forward to as a believer. But here's the thing. We have all the freedom in the world. What do we do with it? Seriously, what do we do with it? So often we're so ashamed, but we don't like to use that word because that's a really bad connotation associated with that word. But let's be honest for a moment. When's the last time we talked to somebody about what we believe? When's the last time that we said, we don't really care what you think, I just want to share something with you that changed my life? And it's amazing, it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For is the power of God unto what? To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. 
He said, it is this very boldness and the, the courageousness of, of the gospel going forth that changes my life and, and, and totally changes my destination. Not just a get-out-of-health escape card, but a relationship with Jesus Christ who loves us. Think about that. If, if <laughs> I'm amazed over the years, and we're not there yet, and so I'm probably going to become what I'm about to laugh at. I know most of you grandparents have brag books of all your grandkids. And what do you do with those brag books? Show them off. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that could be the ugliest baby in the face of God's planet. But to you, he's wonderful because he's yours, right? Let's be honest. I mean, there's some ugly babies out there. I mean, we didn't make none, but I mean... <laughs> But I'm telling you, when it's yours, you brag about it. When it's yours, you show the pictures. I mean, in the first three weeks of having a new grandbaby, I mean, everybody on planet Earth finds out about it. And yet Jesus Christ has come into your life, and you make a decision to put your faith and trust in Him, and it's like crickets. Let's be honest. Here they're out there standing up for what they believe, sharing the gospel the religious people are upset with them and they get thrown in jail. We have all the freedom in the world when we don't do that. I'm convicted by that. And I remember, I point the finger, I got three coming back, I'm just as guilty, I, I, I need to work on this. I, and, I, and I asked God for an opportunity this way. I said, Lord, I'm around Christian people so stinking much. I love it. You're my family. But I'm so around Christian people that I don't get out to where the unsaved people are. And to really have an opportunity, I said, Lord, give me an opportunity. So I got to go to a diner this last week, Mount Hope Diner, and uh, I said, Lord, give me an opportunity. And so the waitress comes up, and, and she looks at us, and I said, you know what? I looked at the person I was with, and I said, hey, I'm about to pray for our food. I'm so th- I said, I'm, I'm just going to assume you make really good food here. She goes, yes, we do. And I'm like, good. I said, I'm about to pray for this food and thank God for it. I said, is there anything I can pray for you for? And she kind of looked at me like I'd fallen out of the earth. And um, and she goes, I don't think so. And I said, is your life perfect? She goes, oh, no. I said, oh, so there is something I can pray for. And she just kind of looked at me and she goes, I would just love to have a good day once. Now, that statement speaks volumes, does it not? And I said, what's your name? She goes, Diamond. I said, that is a beautiful name. I said, Diamond, let me pray for you right now. Would you stay here while I pray? And she was right there. And I said, Lord... Be with Diamond. She needs to sense your presence. She needs to know you. And she needs to have a good day today. And Lord, just as a bonus, would you help everybody to tip her well today? And I and she, and she goes, Amen. <laughs> Who doesn't want to have that prayer? But, you know, the bottom line is we have an opportunity every day to, to not be afraid, to not be ashamed, to simply say God loves you and he cares for you. They got thrown in jail. I don't know if anyone in this room has been thrown in jail for that. We have it so good. But notice what happens. They get thrown. But here's what what happened. In their standing up for what they believed, and in their preaching of the truth of of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it tells us in verse 4, it says, However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. God honored their faithfulness, their obedience. God honored their boldness, right? 
I don't know what God will do if you take the step of obedience. I don't know what God will do in your midst if you decide that you're going to do what's right and not be ashamed. If you would just exercise boldness. But I know that God will honor it. I have to believe that God will honor our obedience and our faithfulness and our boldness. But the next day, this is verse 5, and it came to pass the next day, so you got... Uh, the, the squad of priestly military rulers gathered in Jerusalem to have a friendly conversation. Not. I mean, they're upset. They're irritated. And these folks that you and I would think were better, rulers, elders, scribes, religious people, turned their back on them. And the squad set Peter and John in their midst and began their interrogation of spiritual matters. If you can kind of get in your mind's eye just for a moment. It says that they put Peter and John in their midst. So they're gathered around, almost as it were, an interrogation, you know, uh, of what you, what do you think you're doing here, and what do you think you're saying, and you know why? And, you know, basically, they're upset. By what power or by what name have you done this? I think that would have been a good opportunity that most of us would have taken to say, "Oh, I didn't really mean it that way." I, I mean, if I knew it was going to irritate you, I wouldn't have said it. I think most of us would have caved. I, I would love to sit there and say, man, I'm your pastor. I've been a Christian for all these years. I've got all the boldness of the Holy Spirit living within me. And I know that I would stand up for what I know is right. I know that. I think that would be nothing more than spiritual arrogance and pride. I would love to think that I would. But if I were in those shoes, those sandals, I don't know what I would have done. But I want to look back and say, man, I wish I, I, I want to, I want to believe that I would have stood up. But I know my own flesh and my nature is that I want. To, listen, every time we get in our car to go on a trip, what do we pray for? Protection and safety that we'll get there on time, that we'll have no problems, that we're gonna, you know, not get hit by a drunk driver, not gonna get any speeding tickets. That we're, we pray for a life of ease. We do it, and we do it naturally and often. Because we don't like heartaches, we don't like trials, we don't like difficulty. Those are the things that we would never wake up in the morning and say, Lord, give me a flat tire, please. We don't do that. We pray for a life of ease. Right? And yet, that's not what God always uses. Sometimes God uses the difficulties, the trials, the disappointments the hard things of life that we would not choose to show himself strong. And this is where Peter allows the Holy Spirit to work in and through him. Notice his response. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and gets this little dig in there, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. He says, if you're going to crucify me and, and lamb blast me for seeing a man who was helpless regain his feet, you have to know it's Jesus that did it. Jesus. And isn't it amazing, as I look back several times this week at last week's message, 
it's it still doesn't it, it just it's just it's powerful to me in my mind to think that the beggar who is trying to get Peter and John's attention looks out and he says alms for the poor he was just trying to get through the what the day most of us are trying to get through the day and so we ask for help for today and what God did was gave him something for the rest of his life. The ability to stand and to walk and to work and to provide for himself. How short-minded are we sometimes? We just want to get through the day. And God says, no, I don't want to just get you through the day. I want to get you through life. And I'm glad God didn't just answer his prayer to give him alms for that day. That being the case, he'd have been out the next day begging again. But God gave him so much more than he even asked for. And gave him the ability to walk and to run and to praise him and to worship him and to work for the rest of his life. And what a testimony it was. A story of how God did a miraculous thing in the presence of everybody. And it even gave Peter and John even more excitement to go out and preach who Jesus was. When God answers prayers, that's an opportunity to share with someone else who God is. To me, people say, well, how can you prove the existence of God? To me, I don't know any other greater proof than answered prayer. I think it goes far beyond coincidence or chance or luck or whatever. It goes to a God who loves me, cares for me, and wants what's best for me. And he says, listen, by this man, by him, this man is standing whole. And he says, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. This is Jesus. In Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12, it says, Now when they bring you to the synagogues and to the magistrates and authorities, I love what he says here, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. He says, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour it's amazing how many times over the years we give the excuse, well, you know, I don't really talk about Jesus because that's not my gift. That's, my, that's not my calling. No, it's really, it's really not any of our gifts or calling. It's a matter of obedience. It has nothing to do with gift, gifting or calling. But here's what I can tell you. I, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been in a conversation with somebody and the old adage, I, I don't know what to say. I, listen, I don't know the whole book chapter and verse. I haven't got it all memorized. But I'm amazed at how many times God will give me the verse at the moment I need it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But you have to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. God, use me. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. It's not about what you know or don't know. It's not about how talented or the lack thereof you think you are. It's never been about your skills or abilities. If it is, you don't need Jesus. If you're just that good, you don't need Him. But still come back to it. Chronicles 16.9 The eyes of God run to and fro throughout the whole earth to do one thing. To show Himself strong through Him whose heart is perfect towards Him. I don't have to be good. I don't have to be talented. I don't have to be skilled. I don't have to have a ton of abilities. I have to be available for God to use. And in that circumstance, God says, I will show myself strong through you. 
plain and simple. Peter begins to boldly confront their false religion. You say, is it really false religion? Yeah, it really was. Because the bottom line is, Peter looks forward and says, you guys that are standing around Solomon's porch, listening to everything I'm saying, and now you get mad at what I'm saying, throw me in jail, come back the next day, start interrogating us, and you say, on whose authority and by what name do you do this? They obviously didn't believe what Peter was saying, even though they were religious. And here's what he says, a verse that you've heard a thousand times in your life if you've been in church. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. He says it's only in this Jesus that you even have the ability to be saved. So here's the beautiful thing of it. I, I don't know all of you that are in this room this morning. I, I know a majority of you. I know a little bit about some of your backgrounds. But I can't possibly know all of you and what decisions you've made in your spiritual walk with the Lord. But here's what I know. There's not a one of you that is smart enough, good enough, kind enough to make it onto heaven you're on, on your own. Not one of you. Why do I can't say that with such authority? Because God's Word says it. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that what? Not of yourselves. The gift of God, not of works, let's say you want you to boast. If I could be, as I've said a thousand times, if I could be a multi-gazillionaire and put a hospital in every corner of God's creation, I'm going to go to the deepest, darkest parts of Africa and India and all the jungles of, of Asia and, and, and just anywhere that there's poor people, give them millions of dollars and put hospitals and schools, and build houses, and use my gazillion dollars till there's not one red cent left. I mean, just wipe out my entire account, giving it all away to help every person on the face of God's earth who ever has had an interest in need of anything. I could give it all away, but if I don't know Jesus, and if I don't have a relationship with Him, I'll never spend eternity in heaven. As terrible as that sounds, that's reality. God loves us so much that He said, I'll die for you. I'll pay your sin debt. I'll take your place. The bottom line, He loves us that much. And if you're here today and you've never come to that conclusion, to that position in your life where you need Jesus, it says in 2 Corinthians 6 that today is the day of salvation for you. Today is the day that you can put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone. You can't be good enough. You cannot do enough works. You cannot be an, uh, uh, just the greatest person and make it to heaven apart from Jesus. It says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 14, verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by God's word says there has to be a point in my life where I say Lord I'm a sinner but I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and I ask you to forgive me and I call on you to be my savior I put my faith and trust in you and God's word says that when I do that I'm now in a relationship with him and it changes the entire outcome not just getting out of hell for free card it's a relationship with Jesus that changes everything.
So in conclusion, I ask you two questions this morning. Every time I preach up here, I give you an opportunity to respond to what you've heard. So two questions this morning. Number one, do you have the Holy Spirit working in and through you to have that kind of a boldness to live for Him? You see, the Holy Spirit is offered to all of us who know Jesus. He says at the point that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He indwells us, right? 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. But the reality is, I need His filling every day. And I get that by walking with Jesus and reading His Word and spending time in prayer with Him. And the more I do it, the more powerful and bold He becomes in and through us. The reality is, do you know Jesus? Have you put your faith and trust in Him alone? It's your decision. No one can make it for you. Nobody can make you do it. Nobody would want to. But the reality is, we all have that opportunity to say, Lord, I need and he loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. God loves you that much. Have you accepted his love, his gift of salvation? Because there's no other name given under, under heaven, given among men, whereby you must be saved. He confronts their lack of knowledge. They were religious, but they were lost. Have you come to that some of you have been in church most of your life. But do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the most important question you'll answer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and how it's true. Lord, we thank you for the fact that it's lived out in so many people's lives for so many years. It gives testimony to the fact of what you say being true. And Lord, I pray that it would be true for many of us in this room today as well. Lord, but I do pray if there be one here today, Lord, that does not know you as their Savior, might today be a day of salvation for them. So Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts. Just for a moment, I ask that we keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just for a moment. And maybe you're here this morning and say, well, Pastor Ken, I'm not really sure about a lot of what you said this morning, but I've I realize that I don't, I, I'm not sure if I don't, if I know Jesus or not. I don't know that if I were to die today, I would spend eternity in heaven. I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell, but I'm concerned about that. Let me just tell you, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'll not embarrass you, I'll not call you up, but you say, Pastor, I'm not sure. Would you just look up at me or, or raise your hand so I can pray for you? I'll not embarrass you. Just simply give me the opportunity to pray for you. If you're not certain, you're not sure of where you'd spend eternity, would you allow me to pray for you? Anyone like that this morning? Are you sure that you're spending eternity with the Lord, that you have a relationship with Him? If not, I'd love to pray for you. Anyone at all? Then the second question is this. If you do know Jesus, you have the ability for the Holy Spirit to work boldly through you. Acts 1.8 says, But ye shall receive power, and after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. In 2 Timothy, he says, You have not been given the spirit of fear, but of love and power and sound mind. You have the ability for the Holy Spirit to work strongly through you if you'll allow Him, if you'll let the Holy Spirit fill you daily by walking with Him and reading His Word and spending time in prayer with Him. See, Pastor, if I'm honest with myself this morning, I lack that power. I haven't been spending time in prayer, haven't been reading His Word as I ought and consequentially, I don't have the boldness either. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that this morning?
Yes, yes. In the front, in the side. Anyone else say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Yes, in the back. Can I challenge those of you that have responded? Just take a moment right where you're at and pray. God's Word tells us in James that to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin. So to not spend time in the Word, to not pray, to not to culture that relationship with Jesus Christ, that's sin if we claim to know Him as our Savior. And we need to fix that. And we need to pray, ask God to forgive us and to give us the desire to grow daily. daily walk with him. Ask God to work in and through you through his Holy Spirit. I want the kind of boldness that Peter had there that day. I want that kind of power as I live for Jesus. That's what my desire is. Let's all stand to our feet with our heads bowed. Lord, Thank you for how you have worked in many hearts this morning. Thank you for these who have responded. But God, I pray that you continue to do a work in and through us, Lord, that we cannot do in and of ourselves. Lord, we cannot live the life that you've called us to live apart from your Holy Spirit working in and through us, Lord. We need you. We desperately need you. God, I ask that you would fill me with your power. God, I want that kind of boldness in my day-to-day living fail so often. Lord, so often I I desire to do what's right. I desire to be a witness. I desire to have that boldness in proclaiming your truth. And then, Lord, I get distracted by stuff and things that need to be done and to-do lists. Lord, though I'm sincere, Lord, it doesn't get done sometimes. Forgive us. Forgive me. So, Lord, we pray that you'd work in the, our midst, Lord, in this church. Lord, that we'd be a lighthouse, that we'd be a beacon in this community for standing up for truth and righteousness, for walking in obedience. Lord, might be said of many of our people that they're filled with the Holy Spirit and boldness from on high. Forgive us, Lord, for failing in these areas as a body of believers, Lord, in this church. Lord, help us to make changes where necessary. Help us not to just be challenged, but to truly be changed. And Lord, we'll praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.